everyone. Welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch The Great Muppet Caper two minutes at a time, and we talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. And I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. And joining us today, we have a return guest from last week, one of the founding members of the Tough Pigs Forum. Who is it? It's Jessica Evans. You guys, it's Jessica Evans. Hooray. Hooray. All right. That alias is taken. All right. (laughs) So uh, today, Jess is here to join us again as we talk about minutes 43 and 44 of The Great Muppet Caper. In these minutes, we hear the very end of Nightlife, me and Jess's favorite song from last week. And uh, then we move into the Dubani Club, where Kermit and his friends are astounded by the prices. So we do start out with the last 20 seconds or so of nightlife. I think we pretty much covered it last week. Um, any, any thoughts about nightlife before we move on? Either well, of you? I just realized now that uh, last week I mentioned that where they pan in and they all see them playing their instruments and really grooving. And I think that must've been this, this 20 seconds, right? It's, it's right. Yeah. 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 A- Animal is like playing very excitedly, which is pretty fun. It, it is. I mean, it's a fun shot. And, and if you ever rode on, uh, you know, a parade float or a hayride or something where in one of those open air city buses that tours the city, I think that really is cool. Like they're playing up there, they're moving through. The, even though I hate the song <laughs> in the concept is, is fun. It's, it's a fun scene. Yeah, I agree. And they're I mean, having a great time. Right. Those also, Muppets- I, I just noticed there's a colander hanging above lips. Huh. Huh. I don't know why. Sometimes you just got to strain some pasta, my guy. Well, you never know. (laughs) So uh, anything else about about Nightlife? (laughs) Not specifically about the song. I just like the way the movie cuts abruptly from the end of the song with the the chaos of the electric mayhem to the, then the, the interior of the very fancy and classy Dubonnet club. Yeah. Which let's, so let's talk about that interior, which is, I think a really cool looking set. Yeah. Um, The ceiling has that odd reflective structure. That's kind of like a cross between a, you know, glass elevator and a disco ball. Or right. Something. It's sort of a chandelier, not quite a disco ball because it's not a ball, but it's reflective. Yeah, it's it's really weird and it's really cool looking. And I wonder like how that happened. Because this is a set. They're not at a real supper club or anything. No, like, I'm pretty sure this is a set. And actually, the screenplay describes the, the Dubonnet Club as a beautiful, posh, art deco, F. Scott Fitzgerald-ish nightclub. And- oh, I, can, I can see that, yeah. Does it look F. Scott Fitzgerald-ish to you? Yes. I mean, it, yeah, it looks like something out of The Great Gatsby. Yeah. Why do you think Could it's be. a set? Oh, cause I, just because they have this big dance number involving Muppets in it. Yeah. Right? Like Miss Piggy's tap dancing. There's got to be some like Frank Oz under the floor stuff or something. Right. I'm, I'm right. pretty sure they built this. Well, let me tell you, I, what, 1981, my 11-year-old heart was filled with glee when they walked into the Dubonnet Club. It's everything I imagined a night out on the town could be. The sure. Orchestra, yeah. The orchestra. It's amazing. I, I mean, the, everything about it is sweep me off my feet. Hmm. That's movie magic. Yeah, and the orchestra, we should note, is playing an instrumental version of Stepping Out with a Star. Yeah, and they're amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I would very much like to go to a supper club where there was that kind of orchestra playing that song. Well, maybe for your birthday. 
<laughs> hey, I'm going to remember you said that. <laughs> if we all go out for Jess's birthday, the rest of us will uh, request that the, the orchestra plays Stepping Out with a Star. I'm yeah. going to take the Happiness Hotel bus all the way out to the East Coast. Don't tell mamas. <laughs> Good. Don't, don't tell mamas. We can make it happen. <laughs> right. They might. Yeah. Don't tell mama for those who don't know is, uh, I assume you're talking about the club on 8th <laughs> Avenue. Yeah. Or 9th Avenue. It didn't uh, former podcast. Was she? Was she was a, a guest? Right? Didn't she sing there? Stacy. Yeah. Yes, she has sung there a few times. Yeah. All right. So it's great for those uh, those of you who live in the New York City area. There's a little local content for all you New Yorkers. Yep. <laughs> all right. I'm gonna go talk about. I don't know. Probably. Where would you go to hear show tunes or cabaret music? I got two little kids, man. But I just listen. I just listen to my four-year-old sing show tunes and well, cabaret. That's so music. much better. It is. It's pretty good. She Who likes needs she, a band or a nightclub. She she likes that. Let it go. All right. <laughs> um, so, anyways, we see now inside the Dubani Club, we see Kermit, Fozzie, Gonzo, and Piggy all sitting at a table. Um, which one thing I want to talk about here is we do not ever see the rest of the Muppets at the Dubani Club. No, like they did not come inside the restaurant. They just dropped Kermit and the boys and Piggy off, and they That's left. What courtesy car does. I guess so. I just it, it it always seems like they're all going off on this date, right? Like they're all right. They were all so excited when Fozzie said, "Hey, everybody, we can come." Yeah, then they're all excited to go, and then they don't go. They just they just ride the bus there and go home. Yeah, they must have, have just like gone out for fish and chips or something. You think they had fish and chips, or do you think they went back and had uh, steering wheel souffle? Oh yeah. I don't know that that might have been the previous day. I guess I don't know. I know I think it's the same day, right? Because I think this is Kermit the same day. Up, Kermit goes upstairs to get ready. Yeah. Yes. So they're probably back there having steering wheel souffle again. Yum. All right. So then we see them at the table. Fozzie says, "Boy, a classy place like this. You think they'd have pretzels on the table?" Yeah. <laughs> Fozzie <laughs> just kind of like looks around with his mouth agape for a few seconds, like he can't believe how fancy the place is. But then he notices there are no pretzels. Well, I love that Fozzie's idea of a fancy restaurant is like a sports bar, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> The little noise that Piggy makes when he says that and the look she gives him reminds me of, it's like a Blair Warner from Facts of Life. She just <laughs> that totally disdainful, perfect. <laughs> I can't believe you just said that, but <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. Also, I, we don't know, I guess. I would assume... Frank Oz is performing Fozzie in this shot. So that's actually probably somebody else performing Piggy, but still just doing a great job at getting that, that body language and that expression. Agreed. Yeah. I, I don't know who, yeah, I guess we have no idea of knowing who it was. Well, Fozzie has the line, but right. Know. Right. Piggy doesn't say anything. It's probably Steve Whitmire, right? Wasn't he kind of like, uh, wasn't he kind of like Frank's like sub guy? He, in those well, days? Yeah, I guess. I mean, it could have been Richard Hunt. Because presumably Jim Henson is Kermit and Dave Goals is Gonzo. But yeah, it could right. have been Richard or Steve. Yeah. Or Jerry. You know, who knows? Or Jerry, could Jerry of course. Could Jerry yeah. Could could be Kathy Mullen. We don't know. Could have been Kathy Mullen, could have been Louise Gold. They all they all worked on the picture. They were all here. Yeah. So um <laughs> then the next thing is that Piggy calls the menu delightful and Kermit gasps, like actually gasps at yes. the prices. Which I think is such a nice touch that he's like <gasps> Like Kermit looks like he's about to die. <laughs> voice is cracking. <laughs> he was yeah. not prepared for this. 
Right. And then I love the word choice on Kermit's part that it's amusing that the roast beef is the same price as an Oldsmobile. He doesn't just say that that's true. He doesn't say that he's shocked. He says it's amusing because he's yeah. trying to trying to look like he is a rich person who can afford right. pricey beef. This the- is also that thing where uh, it's specifics are funny. If he had said it's amusing that the roast beef is the same price as a car, that's sort of funny, but it's the same price as an Oldsmobile. Now that's funny. Right. Which, by the way, I looked it up on uh, JD Power and Associates. Yeah, so did I. It took me a while. What did did you find? Okay, so I found that a 1981 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme, brand new, cost $8,583. That is exactly what I found. All right. This was on notaguides.com? I don't remember. Ryan, you did as well as a professional librarian. Ooh. That's right. We we can both use Google. Um, (laughs) And then, um, and I cited my, he like, I even cited my sources, you guys. Well, I failed to do that. So you're you're better at this. That's the difference. Um, But yeah. So anyways, a few minutes later, uh, Kermit asked Gonzo if he has about 1600 bucks on him, uh, which is roughly one fifth of the price of an Oldsmobile. So Kermit was exaggerating. Did you also look up how, how much that would be for uh, adjusted for inflation? I did not. Did you? Yeah. So it would be about $25,264.80 today. Okay, that sounds about right for a new for, car. For a car, yeah. But it's a lot for roast beef. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, and I guess we can, we can jump ahead. Kermit asked Gonzo if he has 1600 bucks on him, right? Gonzo says that he has a plan, and then he goes to take pictures of people. Well, so when he says, oh, I'll take care of it, I thought, well, he's going to pull this, like, fly in the soup. I thought we were going down that road when, you know, he's going to put a bug in the in the meal or something and get sure, it. Sure, yeah. Never in a million years would you guess that his solution would be to take, you know, fan photos. Well. Not fan photos, really. Souvenirs. Right. But if he's going to cover the $1,600 tab. That means he's going to sell about 160 pictures, which is a a lot of pictures of guests in the supper club. It is a lot of pictures. True. Um, But I do do enjoy that Gonzo just sets right to work and starts doing it. Yeah, he comes up with it right away. A non-issue after that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And and one thing I did want to step back to, um, Kermit asks Lady Holiday if she comes here often, right? And they just had this place recommended to them by her butler. So I want like what he believes to be her butler. Right. So yeah. I wonder if that's why he thinks she comes here often. Right. And when, when John Cleese says, Oh, there's the Dubonnet club. She does kind of say, Oh yes. Like she, as if she's heard of it before. Right. She only comes here on special occasions. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like this one, Kirby. Well, is now a good time to talk about Dubonnet? Because sure, yeah. 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 What do you got? So Dubonnet is actually an aperitif, a sweet, aromatized, wine-based aperitif. And With what else? Huh. It's a, a French you know, cocktail. It's like an after-dinner drink. Sure. So it's Moulin Rouge-esque. Hmm. Not so much well. Gatsby, the way they have, you know, although I guess there's an element of that. It's that was a French influence. It right? is definitely based on a Baz Luhrmann movie. Yeah. <laughs> wow yeah how about that <laughs> but Dubonnet goes back to the 1800s sure yeah that makes sense huh 
So it's the it, it's it's a brand. It's a it's a brand. And mm. have you ever heard of Pernod? P e r n o d. That's another liqueur. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah I think so. It sounds familiar. And and it on in on the Wikipedia page, it talked about it being repopularized in the 1970s with by Pia Zadora. Oh, okay. Really? Golden Globe winner Pia Zadora. Available in rouge, blanc, and gold, which is like a vanilla. It says like an orangish flavor. So if it's a brand, I wonder if they had to get any kind of permission or or is it I mean, is it also just a word? I mean, I don't know if it's Dubonnet. a word. It's it says Dubonnet is a widely known by the advertisement slogan of the French designer Dubo Dubon Dubonnet. Oh. It's nice, it's good, it's huh. Dubonnet. Yeah, no, maybe they may have had to get permission or, or somehow, I don't know, pay a royalty. I don't know how that would work for this. Is yeah, I don't it know. the same? I think it is. D-U-B-O-N-N-E-T. Yep. Yeah. So there you have it. Dubonnet. Oh, thank you for the info. Merci. <laughs> that's how you say thank you, right? <laughs> yeah, that's how you say thank you. Okay. Abiento. <laughs> I think that's how you say you're welcome, but I'm not sure. Works for me. I don't know. I only know Bonjour, Au Revoir, Maurice Chevalier. That's that's it. That's all, that's all I know. Um, cargo. Yeah, cargo. Um fries. French fries, yes. Yes, yes, of course. Um so uh anyways, Gonzo sets out to take pictures to save the day. And we see him approach one table here. And who's sitting at that table? It's Amy Van Gilder. That's right! Amy Van Gilder, a puppet builder who worked on The Muppet Show and later on Fraggle Rock and on a bunch of stuff. Emma Otter, The Muppet Movie, Dark Crystal, Muppets Tonight. I that think she was sitting there with him? Yeah, that's a Amy Van Gilder, who looks like she is having such a great time. Sure. I don't know how she ended up being the one who ended up in this in this shot for this cameo, like, but yeah. If, if, if I can be shallow, I think they wanted an adorable woman. And that seems like, likely. She's, she's very beautiful. She's, she's a very lovely she's photogenic. Woman. Yeah. And so uh, that she, she looks like she's having fun. And uh, who is her date? Why, it's Jim Henson, the guy who plays Waldorf. <laughs> oh, yeah, Jim Henson. Yeah, you've probably heard of him. He had his own TV show. It was called The Jim Henson Hour. <laughs> he didn't shave for the Dubonnet Club, I'll just say. No, he doesn't. Jim Henson doesn't need to shave when he goes out in public. No, no. <laughs> He's wearing a very nice suit, though. Yeah. Um, and of course, like this, I think we've talked about, is this his first like on-screen cameo in a Muppet thing? It is, right? I think it is because he's, he's not in the Muppet movie. Mm-mm. So yeah, I mean, other he's, than he's in like, like timepiece and stuff like that. Yeah. And like the Muppets make puppets thing that they did. Right, for public like television, the stuff. Right. It's not really the same. Right. But like Muppet, cause he does this throughout the eighties, right? Like. He pops up in Muppet Things as a very brief cameo. Yeah, he starts doing it. Many more times, but I believe this is the first one. I guess so. so and and as we previously discussed there in the earlier draft, he had a cameo that came earlier in the movie, which riffed on his American Express commercials. But this, I think, is much better because it's so brief and it just kind of gives you enough time to go, oh, hey, there's Jim Henson. And then there's right. something satisfying about that. Right. Which I will say that, uh, again, I was watching this with Iris, which I, I think you will hear at the end of this episode. She wanted to do a podcast about it. Um, Stay tuned, folks. <laughs> but uh, she recognized Jim Henson because we've watched the Jim Henson Hour together a oh, lot. That's great. 
She was just like, yep, there's Jim Henson. (laughs) A proud moment. For For sure. For sure. Made made me very proud indeed. Absolutely. So do you have any idea what they're eating? Nope. I can't figure out what this is. It looks like they somebody took the top of a pineapple, like just cut the bottom of a pineapple off. And then it looks like there's pineapple chunks surrounding it on the plate and then a few cherries on a skewer. It just doesn't look like a very satisfying uh, dish or dessert. Maybe it was their appetizer. It might just be an appetizer. Yeah. I mean, Kermit and Piggy haven't even ordered yet. Yeah, but we don't know what time uh, Jim Henson and Amy Van Gilder got here. Seven. Yeah, I guess so. It's like They got here at seven, right? Kermit and Piggy? Yeah. Or that's when we picked her up. Right. So, what are you saying? It's skewered fruit? I have to go I a, Well, I don't know if you have the clip in front of you, but it's like the top third of a pineapple, including all the leaves. And then it looks like it's surrounded by the by chunks of the pineapple. And then there's little cherries on skewers stuck into the surface of the pineapple. Hmm. It just doesn't seem like much, like you're you eat a few pieces of fruit and then you're done. Maybe it's just a fruit plate. Maybe. And I'm it sure comes- at the Dubonnet Club they they charge like a hundred dollars for that. Yeah, a hundred dollar fruit plate. If you look, if you were on a date with Jim Henson yeah. and he said, "Let's get the hundred dollar fruit plate." You'd, you'd say, yeah. I, I, oh, yes, of course. And probably he's going to pay. So, yeah. Yeah. that's He plays Waldorf. He he's does. loaded. <laughs> right. I, that's right. What I'm picturing is that, what is that, like, Waldorf salad has a bunch of fruit and stuff in it? Yeah, but Waldorf salad just has, like, grapes in it. Like, it's not. Mm. Okay. It's like chicken. It's like chicken and lettuce and grapes. Gotcha. And yeah. walnuts. Yeah. Or not walnuts. Uh, some kind of nut. Maybe. I don't remember. I have no idea. Jem does go f- immediately for his wallet, though. He's he he trusts he implicitly trusts this weird uh, photographer whom he has just met that he's going to give him ten bucks and this guy is going <laughs> to send him the photo. Right, right. Well, uh, I don't know if you know this, but Jim Henson he worked on the Muppet Show, so he knows Gonzo. Oh, okay. Well, are we assuming that <laughs> this is actually Jim Henson playing Jim Henson? No, I, I'm just kidding. Ambrosia right. salads, the salad I was thinking of. Not oh. ambrosia salad. Ambrosia, which sounds like Ambrosius, a character from The Labyrinth. Whoa. <laughs> the Labyrinth. Here a character from Labyrinth, uh, a movie from the same director as this. I mean, it's Jim Henson, you guys. He plays Waldorf and he directed this movie. That's oh, no. amazing. <laughs> hey, I wonder if that's like a theme for him. Kind of sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So anyways, uh, <laughs> What happens next? Oh, we uh, see Lady Holiday and her brother Nikki walk in. And this is where we get confirmation that Nikki is, in fact, Charles Grodin. Which we talked about how we saw Charles Grodin at the very start of the movie. And then they, Miss Lady Holiday has mentioned Nikki. But this is the first time we've really seen him. Yeah, after, this is our first after good that, look at him. That very brief cameo. And we're, we're really far into the movie. Like, it has never occurred to me that it takes this long for him to show up. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. that too. And I, in my notes, we only see just a tiny bit of him in this clip. Mm-hmm. And I have written down, I don't mind Nikki in this clip. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he's, I like the, his shirt and his pocket square. <laughs> I think that looks nice. Sure. His bow tie's not crooked so much as it's a little floppy. He has a little bit of a slightly, I don't know if it would be, 
drunk appearance to him. I mean, mm. well, he he's just like he's just like standing there dancing lazily right. as she he talks a, to the manager. Yeah, he has a swagger. Yeah, I think it's really funny. Oh, he just like wants to get out there and schmooze so badly. Yeah. And, you know, if that's all I saw of him ever, I wouldn't mind him. He's not unattractive as Charles Grodin. Sure. I, oh, he doesn't really say too much in this this clip. If this was Nikki's entire personality, he wouldn't be too bad. Right. Although, how do you feel about the fact that he balks at the suggestion of tipping the Mater D? Well, well, he can only barely get to that in the clip. So she says, "Oh, tip him," and he says, "I don't, I don't have a singles, right?" And she says, well, "No." He says, "He says I don't have any change," which right. to me implies that he's talking about coins, right? Oh, yes. And she says something bigger, right? And he goes, "Oh, bigger." Yeah. And then the clip. I mean, <laughs> yes, I guess that's not yeah. the most attractive quality. <laughs> Although, okay, I don't go to fancy supper clubs in London in the 1980s, <laughs> but is it customary to tip the maitre d' like specifically? Like, hand him some change? Hand uh, him some money before I, you sit down? I think probably if you go there and you want to continue to get a good table. Yes. Yeah. Like probably you have that relationship with your mater d. Yes. I, I honestly so. couldn't say for sure, but I would, in this situation, I would take Lady Holiday's word over Nikki's. Right. Oh, sure. And she definitely knows him. She calls him Stanley. Yes. Like, she knows who he is, and he knows who she is. I mean, the vision, we kind of skipped over the, the sight of her. She looks like a queen in her getup. I mean, it's really, she wears a lot of crazy clothes in this movie, but in right, that she, case, across the room, she looks like a statue almost. Like, she may have designed this outfit herself. <laughs> right. Maybe. Well, what do you think about the color of it? Because it's like this weird gold, orange, pink. Like it's... It's such a strange color. Yeah, it is. It's like, it, that's why I said, it's like the infinite Prague or something. It's like a weird robe that she's got on, you know, some fancy, I don't know. It's not for hmm. me. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a yeah, like pinkish gold, if that's possible. Yeah. I wonder if it would look different if we were watching this on the, the high definition version. Yeah, I'm not sure. We should go see it at the movie theater. <laughs> yes, or just watch the Blu-ray. I did see yeah. this movie in the movie theater, but I don't have a vivid memory of it like I do with the Muppet movie. I don't know sure. why. Just Except for the Dubani Club, you said. I did. Yes, I did remember the Dubani. There are more moments, but not like the the Muppet movie. But sure, hmm. it didn't. It, you were a little older too, you know, I'm just two years older. later. Right, no. and it wasn't the first time it was in a theater, so you know, right. it's exciting when you see your characters in the theater for the first one. Right. So uh, we should briefly talk about Stanley, the Mater D, whose whose main job here is to mention Lady Holiday's diamond necklace. Yeah, that's um, going to be important later. Right. Exactly. And um, but he is played by Peter Hughes, who is another character actor with a long career in British television. Hmm. Like that's been kind of a recurring theme in this movie. In this movie, I feel like that there are all these tiny parts that aren't really cameos, but it's like, oh, that person worked forever. Um. You know, he was on Zed Cars, which was a long-running police drama. Guest starred on that. Guest starred on The Saint with Roger Moore. Guest starred on Jeeves and Wooster with Hugh Laurie and Stephen Fry. Um, you know, he's in Evita with, with Madonna. Like, he has a small part in that movie. He died earlier this year, 2019. So, oh. so he, had, he had a long life and a long career. So a long that's, career, yeah. That's Peter Hughes. Did you guys give the whole Charles Grodin, Grodin uh, rundown? Well, yeah, we did when he showed up and said, and me, during Hey, a movie. Oh, okay. I know that you just misspoke briefly, but I do like the sound of the Charles Grodown. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> the real growdown. Oh man, give us the whole Charles growdown. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Very villainous. Um, <laughs> because I looked him up and I did not realize that he was the doctor in Rosemary's Baby. Oh yeah, sure. That's one of his hit classic hits. Yeah, I mm. didn't put that together. That that that. I mean, that gave me, I mean, he really is the bad guy. Yeah, I mean, he was young. He was only in his like early thirties at that time. Yeah, yeah I don't um, remember that being him. Very yeah. memorable in that role too. Yeah, he's still alive. He's four hundred. <laughs> <laughs> and he's he still works occasionally, not not too terribly often. <laughs> hey, he doesn't need to. No, it's great. I'm always happy to see him anytime he shows up. Yeah, and we'll definitely have more to say about him in future episodes. Yes, he gets a lot more to do in this second half of this movie than he yes. does in the first half. Um, so we should uh, we should talk again about Lady Holiday's necklace. Uh, Nikki insisted that she wear it, right? Even though she thought it a little outre. Outre, yes. Why does she listen to that irresponsible parasite? Like, I'm not sure uh, that I buy that she would wear something because he insisted. I, unless maybe he was just so annoying, like kept bringing it up and just kind of eventually wore her down. Yeah, that's true. Like, you should really wear that necklace. Come on, come on, come on. You got to wear the necklace. Yeah, and she does describe it as breathtaking, I guess. So she does yes. love the necklace. Yeah. So. And where else is she going to wear it if not out to this expensive supper club? Yeah. Which her um, her new assistant is con- coincidentally also at. Like, that's what I love. Yeah, how about like, that? It, I wonder if there was, I guess John Cleese has to say it or whatever, but. I wonder if there was a time where they thought about having Lady Holiday mention the Dubani Club or something, and then Piggy knows it because of that and says hmm. it to Kermit. You know what I mean? Yeah, like if she had said that it's one of her favorite supper clubs or something, yeah, yeah then that would or said it that would she seem was... like less of a coincidence, right? I mean, she does. She has a long string of exposition about her brother Nikki. Like she could easily have mentioned that they're going there. Yeah, you know, whatever. It's fine. It still works. It's. I don't think it's a flaw. Doesn't ruin the whole movie for you? No, I actually hate this movie now. Yeah, too bad. I thought how about many, that. How many supper clubs are there? I don't know. London yeah. is rife with supper clubs. Is it? I have is no it, idea. I've never been rife with supper clubs. I mean, they're still a thing, right? Yeah, I assume. I, mean, I just passed one at the Wisconsin Dells on my way home from Wisconsin. Not to bring up geographic specific, but is Don't Tell Mamas considered a supper club or is it more of a cabaret? Mm, yeah, it's a cabaret. Well, what's the difference? Well, it's a lot smaller than a supper club. True, 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 true. Um, what makes the Dubonnet Club a supper club as opposed to a restaurant? I don't really know, but I did just Google London supper clubs and I got several results. Hmm. There's something called the Disappearing Dining Club, which sounds intriguing. Um. Oh, supperclub.tube, dining on a tube train. What? Wow. How'd you like to eat? I wonder if the train is in motion while you're while you're eating. Um, I hope Elmore so. Jam Supper Club, Greek Supper Club, Indian Dining Club. Yeah, there's a lot of these. <laughs> there's a lot of these supper. Cl- oh, one that's just called the Supper Club. So these do still exist uh, plentifully in in London. Huh. Well, I hope someone will come and comment. On the podcast, and let us know if it's like a different, there's a nuance that we're not understanding. Yes, especially if you're from London, let yeah. us know. Yeah. Yes, maybe it's because you're a Londoner. You can let us know. 
All right, that was a reference to a pretty obscure Muppet Show song. Which That's is- a UK spot from an episode of The Muppet Show, and if I was even more of a nerd, I would be able to tell you which episode, but I can't. Yeah, isn't it Spike Milligan? Oh, that sounds likely, because are the, the dogs... So is, is it all dogs? Yeah, it's all dogs, but they're from all over it's different all- parts of the world. Right, it's all dogs on a double-decker bus, and they're all different nationalities. Yeah, I bet it's Spike Milligan. Well I mean, it, it just kind of fits that um, that episode's kind of conceit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but, the uh, international which, thing. Yeah, I mean, we do have Muppet Wiki where we could just look it up. Uh, yeah, it was not Spike Milligan. Ooh. Not even close. It was, Although, it, it was Chris Langham. So, I guess it's not that <laughs> far off. Okay. Um, it was a British comedian. So, it was Chris Langham. Yeah. All right. Well, if we're just sitting here talking about what episodes of The Muppet Show different UK sketches are from... <laughs> It's probably time to be done. Hey, I can do this all night. Well, sure, man. Me too. Can I? <laughs> um, so, Jess, you mentioned this a, a little bit, but um, what's your history with Great Muppet Caper? You saw it in the theater? I did it in the theater. I know I saw it in the theater. I didn't love it. And it's, I mean, I of course, I loved, I'm a Muppet fan, so I'm happy for them and happy to have them in the movie theater. But I didn't love it. I remember feeling a little um, disappointed afterward. Part of that probably is you're right. I was getting a little older. So maybe just the magic was going out of my life altogether. <laughs> was that the first time you felt disappointed by anything with the Muppets? Uh, good question. Uh, yes. Hmm. I think it was. And I, but I want you to know, you and Anthony both, that yes. you helped heal a point of this for me because you did so much talking and with some of your guests too, gave a real uh, perspective on how this was very stylized to be, you know, how, how did you, how have you been describing it's like it? That it's like an old, old time comedy. Like it's like a 1930s yeah. movie. Absolutely. And yeah. It's, it's an homage to those old movies, which were often kind of fakey anyway. So it's just a celebration of that kind of artifice. Yeah. Which as an adult, and now I can totally see and appreciate as an 11 year old, I was a little like, eh, you know, it just for something, it felt uh, disingenuous. And huh. that's not what I what I wanted, which is not to say that I don't love the movie. And I, you know, I didn't hate it or anything. But I was a I was a little disappointed. I didn't, and yet this is the movie that many of my Muppet friends say is their favorite mu- mu- one over the Mupp- the original Muppet. Oh yeah, yeah. No, you, I mean you have two of those right here. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say Ryan and I are both on record several yeah. times on this podcast as saying that. Yeah, and not just you guys, like a lot of people. So yeah, but but you helped me understand why eleven year old me didn't embrace it the way it probably was intended. So thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. You're quite welcome. Yes. Sometimes you can go back and heal the wounds of the past. Oh <laughs> well, I don't know uh, how we can top that. So I think it's probably time to say goodbye. <laughs> um, so thanks again for being here, Jess. Uh, for having me. Listeners, uh, please check out toughpigs.com on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, anywhere you can find us. You can follow me on Twitter at Zeppo Marxist. You can follow Ryan at me, Ryan Rowe. And Jess, where can our listeners find you again? On the Tough Pigs forum. Where oh, I yeah. I love to talk about Muppets with my Muppet pals, new and old, and especially the podcast. Really great. After, it's where the after party is for the podcast. A lot of really <laughs> good conversation there. Aw. 
I'm glad. I'm glad that people are actually listening to it. And, and you can uh, follow the link from the front page of toughpicks.com. You sure can. And uh, listeners, if you're so inclined, give us a positive review on iTunes and tell all your friends to listen to Moving Right Along. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Hi, everyone. This is Anthony again, and I'm here with my daughter, Iris, who's four and a half. Iris, what do you think about this? Great Muppet Caper. Um, hi, this is Iris here, and I'm making my own podcast today. My dad introduced me, but it's still my own. So let's talk about her cape. What did you think about it, Daddy? What did I think about Lady Holiday's cape? I think it looks great. It's gold. What do you think about it? Well, <laughs> I thought it was pink, but it was pretty. So, let's talk about the necklace now. What do you think about the necklace, Daddy? I think that it's beautiful, and I think she should watch out so her brother Nicky doesn't try to steal it. So, and now let's talk about the beautiful gown. It was so pretty that, what did Daddy say? I said that it, she looks great, but who did you say that it looked like? Mary Poppins. And what else did you say about Mary Poppins? Um, she would wear that. And she looked like her and sounded like her. So Lady Holiday is pretty much just Mary Poppins, huh? Yep. Anything else? Um, now, come next time for Iris' podcast. See you later. Goodbye.